Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, and welcome to the show today, everybody. We're really excited about today's guest. Um, He hails from Birmingham, Alabama. He's been making music for over three decades, and with his latest release coming out soon, he will have 28 albums to his credit. That release is going to be called Stride, and one of the songs from that release is his duet, or his song, his remake of Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine with American Idol winner and fellow Birmingham native Ruben Studdard, which is starting to make its way up the charts. In addition to a solo work, this guitarist will share the stage with the likes of Jeff Lorber, Ronnie Laws, Boney James, Marcus Miller, and a host of others. He has his own record label. He has served as a director of programming for the Alice Stevens Performing Arts Center in his hometown, Birmingham, and is the artist, artist in residence at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Eric Essex. Eric, thank you for joining us today. Carl, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, man, the pleasure is all ours. With Eric, with such a long career and so many accomplishments, man, how do you keep that, that musical fire burning? At 34 years, 28 albums, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And um, it's, you would think that it would be a challenge, mm-hmm. but um, it's actually, for me, it's, it's a release. It's something that I feel like I have to do. Okay. And I've always gotten uh, comments from my uh, fellow musicians about the amount of albums that I put out over the years and, yeah. and the content that I produced. How and why do I uh, consistently, you know, go in studio, take the time to write music and yeah. record it? And uh, it, it's something that I've just always felt that I have to do. Yeah. You know, I reach a point uh, invariably over about a 12 to 16 month period where I just have to write and create and get something out. Yeah. And so um, that's been the case for the past 30 plus years. And uh, consistently I've uh, managed and, and been blessed enough to um to get material out on a regular basis. You know, and I think that's something that is important to really, really be mindful of because like a lot of artists, you know, some artists are gone for two, three, four, ten years sometimes, right, before you hear new work, right? And it's not like, it's not as if the creative process, like you can sit down and say, today I'm going to record four songs, right? The creative process doesn't work that way, right? So for you, like, like I'm curious, like, there's got to be a ton of inspiration for you to keep that creative well just going and going. So I'm curious, where does your inspiration come from? Yeah, just living life, Carl. You know, it's um, um, life experiences. And, um, you know, you reach a certain age, you start having more of those in your... Yeah. <laughs> you, reflect on, <laughs> you begin to reflect a lot more um, and and just try to you know, communicate those experiences to other people through music Yeah, is something that um, we as artists are able to do. And I've always felt that if you're going to be going to call yourself a recording artist, uh, if you're going to use that terminology uh, and, and direct that term upon, you know, to, to you, you as a, uh, you know, as a musician, as an artist, then I just feel like you need to produce, you know, part of being a recording artist is recording. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm um, trying to find areas where you can use music to, to share your thoughts and your experiences. And so 
I've always been committed to that that process and that thought process. You know, just if I'm a recording artist, it's my it's my duty, it's my job. Yeah. To um to just create new work. That's cool. That is cool. You know, when I listen to your music, I hear jazz, of course, but I hear gospel and blues and rock and R and B. Like, how how do you describe your music? Yeah, it's it's all, and I say this regularly. Uh, being from the South, I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, in the '60s. I uh, grew up as a child of the '60s, and and we all know there was uh, a lot going on. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, the music that I that I create and uh, have created over the years is based in in gospel music, which yeah. is the root. I consider of, of everything that I do. If you listen to the music that I've created over the years, there's some gospel in just about everything I do. So the basis is gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're growing up in the South, there's no way you can escape blues. That is so true. Gospel, spiritual music. And so uh, as I begin to, to get older and experience other forms of music and, and eventually become a musician myself, those influences have always been the, the bedrock of my comp compositions, um, the way I play, mm -hmm. uh, the way I approach my instrument are all based in, in gospel music and spiritual music and blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that you were hooked on contemporary jazz after hearing Jaco Pistorius and Weather Report. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was in high school and uh, I went to high school in Maitland, Florida. Okay. Right outside of Orlando. And there was a small venue there. I think it was an old-time music hall or something like that. And they were scheduled to have Al Demiola. Oh, yeah. A fusion jazz guitar player there. So I was there to see Al Demiola. Yeah. For whatever reason, Al Demiola could not make the uh, show. And the opening act was Weather Report. Okay. So, of course, I was very disappointed. I'd never heard of this band, Weather Report. I was like, who, who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> And so instead of having two shows, it was a weather report did the entire show. And from the first note, yeah, I was completely blown away by the style of music fusion, which I was just starting to to experience with uh, Jeff Beck and Tommy Bolin and Miles Davis, uh, you know, the things that he was doing around that time. And so I was just starting to experience this music. But weather report just took it to a whole nother level. And Jocko being the only person who was playing a stringed instrument on stage. Of course, I immediately gravitated towards him and his style and his yeah. approach to playing the bass. I, I just never heard anything like it. And and Wayne Shorter, of course, was in the band at that time. And it was just, it was an amazing, amazing experience for a 17-year-old kid, you know, experiencing this music for the first time. And so that, I you know, while I walked out of that theater thinking, okay, this is the kind of music I want to okay, play. Okay, okay, okay. This is what I want to do. So by that time, you already knew you wanted to be a musician, I take it? Yes, yeah, yes. Okay. I, I was a senior in high school and um, started off when I, as a freshman being really, really into Jimi Hendrix. I mean, okay. you know, I, I was showing my wife the other day pictures of me in my annual, uh -huh. um, and every picture of me, I had a headband on, <laughs> you know, headbands around my thigh, fringe jackets. You uh -huh. know, I, I was going to be the next Jimi Hendrix. All that right. was all I was concerned about. By the time I got to be a senior in high school, I really started to listen more 
to jazz and then of course the Jocko and weather report thing just took me completely over the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love you sharing that story because I think a lot of times people don't understand the origins of one, how people get into, you know, the music that they've, that they've chosen as their career, but also right. too, it shed some light on just the impact that some artists that I think maybe didn't get their, their just due, the impact that they have had, like Jocko is a great example. Like, so many people will know the song Rain, done by SWV or, right. or done by Norman Brown, but not know that that was a Jocko Pistorius composition, right? Exactly. You know, and so, like, I think that's that's really cool that, you know, you can, you know, you at that early age saw just that talent there and said, wow, this is this is impactful. Yes, yes. And and not only the talent, but just the personality, the presence on stage. Yeah. He he was a dominant part of that band in my eye. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't take my eyes off off of um, off him the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about too, you know, the gospel influence and the influence of your southern roots on on your music. Talk a little bit more about that because I think that's a really you know, when I look at some of your work, like your work is it's it's cerebral, you know, in a in a in a sense as well. Very cerebral in a sense as well. And there's a lot of storytelling going on. Well, Carl, it's, it's so I'm honored that you, you know, observe that in the music, because that's uh, really I, I never wanted to be. Um, and this this is no slight on smooth jazz because yeah. I, I love the music. But I, I always wanted to to take that music to another level, another yeah. level yeah. compositionally. And um you use the word cerebral, and I really I love that word. Thank you very much for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've um, in 2000 I was signed. Well, 1998 I was signed to Warner Brothers mm-hmm. by Ricky Schultz. Uh, Zebra Records was the name of the label, distributed by Warner Electric Atlantic. And I did a record called Small Talk, and had a song called For Real that, mm-hmm. that was a big hit from that record. Yeah. The second record that came out was in 2000, and I went to Ricky and I said, Hey, man. You know, I really want to do something different. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to be a fusion guitar player, trying to be a fusion artist um, for my whole career up until that point. And, you know, I, I was never really comfortable mm-hmm. with that kind of music, even though I played it. Yeah. And I played in a band that was, you know, kind of fusion oriented. That was a great band called Modern Man. We had so much fun and yeah. improvisational aspects of it was great. But I just felt like there was something missing uh, from me personally as a musician. And I figured it out in 1999. And I said, you know what? I'm not really being true to every facet of music that has influenced me over the years. Mm-hmm. I'm not being true to those gospel roots. I'm not being true to, to the, the spirituals and the blues and those forms of music that really impacted me and made me who I was, you could hear it in my playing, but I wasn't embracing it. Yeah, yeah. And so I went I went to Ricky and I said, hey, man, I got this idea for a record that I want to do called Southbound that features music and styles of music, genres of music that influenced me as a young man. And and I want to embrace those, those things, that Southern Roots music incorporated with jazz and contemporary jazz. And I want it to be a, a defining element of who I uh, am as a as a as an artist as yeah. a person and Ricky in his you know forward thinking and open mindedness was like man go for it I feel you I support that huh. do the record send it to me when you're done all right and and that's that started me on that road 
And so for the remainder of my career from 2000 to this point, I've always focused on that being the defining aspect of, of who I am as an artist. Mm-hmm. You can hear that blues. You can hear that yeah. gospel. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and I'm not, you know, apologizing for it. I'm, I'm hitting it right, you know, right, right head on. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I would like to think that that defines me and puts me in a different space from uh, some of the artists that are out there. I think it does. I mean, your 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 sound is is unique, but different. You know what I'm saying? You know, like in a positive way, like like I remember the first time um, I heard The Deep. Right. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, man, ooh, that's yeah, that's yeah. smoking, you know. And <laughs> but it was it was something that I hadn't heard a lot of in smooth jazz. Right. Right. And I felt right. like it it firmly deserved to be there, but could be in a lot of other you know, categories too, right? Right, right, right. You know, I have to give credit to um, watercolors and and um, the stations around the country, the billboard stations and and smaller stations and smaller radio programs for playing that song. Yeah, because that song, and if you know anything about gospel, it's straight gospel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's straight gospel music. It comes from that world. Um, the phrasing, um, the the harmony, yeah. the the chorus on it just really goes to that place, you know, yeah. that gospel place. So hats off to everybody who supported that record. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt, and it and it, it it did really really well. And I, you know, I think as a as a smooth jazz person, a person who listens to smooth jazz, or someone who plays smooth jazz as a DJ or whatever the case might be, it's really you can't deny the influence of gospel on this genre. Right. You know, there's so many artists that I talk to, and when I talk to them, either they came out of the church, mm-hmm. or if you go through their catalog of music, in their music you will find songs where they are play- paying homage to their faith and to yes. their gospel roots. I mean, you can go like Julian Vaughn. I was just talking to Julian the other day. Julian gets on the road, tries to get home on Sunday to play in his father's church, right? Grew up yeah. in the church, yeah. right? If you go back, <laughs> right. you look at Jonathan Butler, or you look at one of your bandmates, PJ Spragans, or, you know, of course, Kirk Whalem and yourself. There's that gospel river runs through so much smooth jazz that you can't, you can't separate them out, really. That's a, that's a beautiful observation. And, and every one of the musicians that you know, or that you mentioned are uh, musicians who, who unashamedly incorporate that that gospel influence in, into the music and yeah i'm i'm just you know kirk kirk played on i did actually did a gospel album back in 20 um 2016 called this train the gospel sessions i wanted to do a record that was um traditional gospel you know mm-hmm. uh it i didn't even, i didn't do it because i wanted to, wanted it to get airplay i did it because it was something that i wanted to do as a tribute and um you know to pay homage to my gospel roots and, yeah. and to God, you know, who's blessed yeah. me to do this music. And so I did a gospel album that Kirk and Ruben Stutter were on it. Kirk plays a, a, about a five minute solo on one song. Okay. And you can just, you can feel the spirit, you know. Yeah. Well, you can do that with Kirk's playing in it. With, yeah. With whatever he's doing. Yeah, you know? pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. But, um, yeah, man, um, there are a lot of guys out here who come straight out of church. I'm one yeah. of them. And, you can't you can't push that down, you know. You're it's right. gonna come up. Yeah. It's gonna bubble up to the surface. Yeah, it's a part of who you are, right? And 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 you're doing it to be who you are and express yourself, right? 
So you also are a, a, a record label owner. You have your own label, Essential Recordings. You know, why, why is having your own label an important piece of the puzzle for you? Autonomy. Yeah. You know, it's just being able to do and create, having a space uh, where you can create and, and do the kind of music that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's no disrespect to anybody who's on a record label, but, you know, I don't have to ask anybody about yeah. what I, I want to do. If I feel there's something like with that gospel album, that would have been a very ill-advised move. Yeah, you know, yeah. As a as a jazz artist to make that kind of record because it's straight gospel. Yeah, I mean like Andre Crouch. Yeah, uh, you know Hawkins, mm-hmm. <laughs> Edwin Hawkins gospel. Um, uh, so having my own record label and feeling that that was something that I not only wanted to do, but needed to do Yeah, has, has blessed me in a lot of ways to be able to, you know, just kind of put out the music that I want to put out. The label is really just a vehicle for me to express myself. Gotcha. And, you know, at some point I would love to, to have other artists on the label who are like-minded. Yes. But, um, yeah, for the past, I guess, what is it? 20, 20 something years. Now, okay. Okay. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's been my baby to uh, create, create the music. I've been very fortunate though, with three of the records, including this one that's out now, to have wonderful distribution through Lightyear Entertainment, Virgin Music. So I've got major label distribution now, and I've done three records with them now. And what a wonderful team to work with. Um, everyone is just uh, so supportive, and Virgin Music is a, is a revitalized label on Universal Music, under uh-huh. the Universal Music Group. And um, to be a part of that, you know, is, is just like a dream come true. I always loved the Virgin logo. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was yeah. coming, I remember in New York at I the do. Virgin uh, record store, and um, mm-hmm. so to be a part of the Virgin Music family is is also a wonderful thing. But having that that autonomy as a record label is the is the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said something that just struck me. You, you I'm paraphrasing, but you're saying that you you're basically saying that you you have to get out some of this music that's in you, right? Yes. And I think that, you know, I can say for myself, you know, as I've gotten to know more musicians like yourself, it isn't like I I sometimes ask people, like, what are you chasing with your music? Right. What's your what's the goal? What are you after? Right. And I'll come to find that for a lot of people, uh, they're 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 chasing their desire just to express. It's not about the money. It's not about the you know the fame as much as as it is that there is something that is an inherent part of them that they have to, like you said, let out through their music. That's that's it, Carl. <laughs> you said it. Um, it's it, for me in particular that that's what it's all about. If it was about money, I would have gone into hip hop. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and you know, been involved in a totally different kind of music. But you know, just wanting to express myself through my instrument in this manner is is what I've always wanted to do. Um, and and there's nothing else that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And another piece of that for me now is you know I'm getting older. I'm 62 now. Been doing this for 30, 30 plus years. Yeah. And now it's about legacy. Yeah. You know, it's about legacy now. That legacy is, is extremely important to me. I, I wasn't concerned with that, you know, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. I just wanted to make music. Yeah. But now it's, it's about having, leaving something behind that shows the journey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you think, when you just think about Miles Davis, Coltrane, they mm-hmm. left us a body of work, you know, that is, 
I mean, I, I listen when I listen to jazz. I, most of the time, I'm listening to traditional jazz. I yeah. listen to Coltrane, Miles, okay. Bill Evans, you know, Joe Pass, um, West, of course, uh-huh. Benson. And I listen to look, look at all those records. Yeah. I mean, you know, dozens yeah. of records that we can go back and listen to and learn from, and just see the journey. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I kind of consume with that now. Uh-huh. You know. It may not be a journey that anybody wants to see, but if they do want to see it yeah. or hear it, it's there. That's you know? cool. That's yeah. cool. Well, man, you've certainly done enough work to begin to lay a positive foundation for that legacy, man. So let's go ahead and listen to your most recent song featuring your 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 homie, Ruben Stutter. This is Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone She's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone If she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away
everybody. That was today's guest, Eric Essex, with his newest song, Ain't No Sunshine. And Eric, you know, this musical journey for you, it has had, it has gone over a long period of time. It has had, you know, I'm sure peaks and valleys. And, but I'm, I'm curious for you, like, 34 years into this, like, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you have learned that have shaped you over those 34 years? Wow. Um, I have learned persistence. Mm -hmm. I have learned patience. Yeah. I have learned to, uh, I've gained so much wisdom um, being in this industry and just, um, just learning from my people like Kirk Whalum. Mm hmm. You know, I, I always point to Kirk because he he drops he will drop some some gems on you. Yeah, that will um you know in a conversation that will stay with you for, for a lifetime. Yeah, and, and uh, I I just really respect and admire him. But but most importantly, I have learned to trust myself and be myself mm-hmm. as an artist. When I first started out. I didn't have that confidence or that um, self-awareness where I felt like what I was doing was enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I felt like um, I needed to be somebody else back then. I, I felt like um, I needed to play like somebody else. Mm-hmm. I needed to write music that sounded like somebody else. And over time, I've just really become comfortable with myself and yeah. the music that I put out and music that I write. I'm a, I am my first line of defense as a creator. Yeah. If I don't like it, nobody else is going to like it. Yeah. And and so when I write music and record music, I I have to feel it and want to listen to it over and over again myself before I put it out. Yeah. And expect someone else to to appreciate it. Yeah. So I've learned a lot, man. And I'm cool. I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. You know, I, my my whole life is rooted in my faith. Yeah. And so I've learned how to to depend on on God to show me the way to go. Absolutely. Every single day I pray for wisdom. Yeah. You know, in the Bible it says that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived and that wisdom in the Bible is valued over over everything. Yeah. And so yeah. I pray for that wisdom to lead me and, and guide me, you know, along this path of music and, and business. Yeah. And it's music business. So um, I'm, I'm, I always pray for guidance in that area as well. So, yeah, I've learned a lot, man. Yeah, you know, clearly. Years, I've, I've been paying attention. Yeah, clearly, clearly. And, that's, <laughs> you, know, and, and you, you know, you dropped some knowledge that I think is really important for, for everybody, particularly for younger people, too, because I think it's a normal thing in whatever, you know, endeavor, professional endeavor you embark upon is that so many of us, I'm guilty of this same thing you know you try to be you try to be something until you get enough faith courage experience mud on your shoes however you want to put it right to say no you know god put me here to be the me and the best me that he wanted me to be so i'm just going i'm gonna lean into that and let that be let that be what i what i what i strive strive to do day in and day out man that's so true i'm i'm just fortunate that i learned it kind of early on you know, and, and not, um, you know, just discovering that um, five years ago. So, yeah, I'm I'm in it now, man. You know, I'm so comfortable with what I do. I don't even care what other people think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a great space. You know? Yeah, it's a great space to be. You know, I, I put the music out there. You know, you still have, you're still a little bit anxious. You want people to like what you do. I mean, you, you do it because of that. But once it's out, you know, I just, man, I'm like, 
you know, I did the best work that I could do. Mm-hmm. And I can look in the mirror and look at that, listen to that work and say, yeah, that's that's representative of who I am. Yeah. And, and I'm good with it. I hope people enjoy it. Right, you right, know, right. That's, that's right, my attitude. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's how, that's fantastic. So if you weren't a musician, Eric, what do you think you would be doing with your life? Man, I'm a lover, big lover of photography, man. Okay, okay. You know, a, still a way to express express yourself as an yeah. artist. Yeah. And um, yeah, before I even started playing in the clubs, I I had a guy that sold me a really nice 35 millimeter camera for really cheap. He was getting out of, you know, he didn't want to be in photography anymore. And uh-huh. I bought like all of his gear, his okay. lenses, everything. And this was like 1970, 79. Okay. And I immersed myself in photography. I was, fa- and still am, fascinated by it. That's and cool. So, you know, fast forward to 2019, I married a woman who's a, fo- a professional photographer. Okay, okay. <laughs> and and so she, through her, she's just really revitalized my interest in in getting back into photography. And we talk about photography all the time. We we did a session yesterday. Cool. Um, experimenting with lighting and that kind of thing. So. If I wasn't a, a musician full time, I'd, I'd be a photographer full time. I just love it. It's a great way to express myself. Yeah. So, what what are some of your favorite places to shoot? Oh man, um, I, I like. Uh, I'm a big fan of of um, shooting on location. I like I like shooting in nature. Yeah. Uh, and and I started off actually. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. Before I became a, a musician and was immersed in this business, I would do photography for other musicians. If okay. you needed a headshot. You know, if you needed, if your band needed a a, a band shot or promo yeah. shot, I was doing those kinds of things in the community. So I charge, I charge an artist, you know, a hundred bucks uh-huh. for a session, and then you had to go get the film developed yeah. back then. Yeah, and um, an extra twenty bucks to get the film developed, and <laughs> and I got my chops up. You know, I was shooting for a lot of musicians in the community, so I like portraiture. Okay. You know, that's my that's my my I would say specialty. Gotcha. And I love shooting musicians. That's that's one of the things I really love to do. So um That's yeah, fantastic, I, man. Yeah, maybe at some point, you know, I'll get back into it now. Yeah. Well it's great yeah. to learn that about you, but we're glad yeah. to say that we're glad certainly that you chose music. So let's listen to another one of your songs. This is Late Night Drive.
just heard eric essex with his song late night drive so eric we have this segment that we like to do on each show we call it bout it or doubt it so if you're about it it's something that you like if you doubt it it's something that you're not quite feeling so can we get you to play along with us today absolutely all I've right heard this on your show before all right cool cool <laughs> so we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category and then we'll ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions okay okay if you buy it, get him up. Get up. I mean, you buy it, buy it. I mean, you buy it, buy it. I represent. I doubt it. All right, let's go ahead and spin the wheel and get to a category then, Eric. All right, Eric, your category today is science and technology. All right. Mm. So, bout it or doubt it, virtual reality. About it. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have you been getting into VR yourself? or? Um, not personally, uh -huh. but, um, I, you know, I try to keep an open mind, especially in the music business. Yeah. Um, with the technology forever changing and evolving, um, I found, <laughs> and I, I always laugh because I came into this, this thought process kicking and screaming. I was so old school in the uh -huh. way I approach everything. <laughs> With music, but um, over the years, I've, I've learned to embrace this technology, and I've become a little bit of a geek about it. Oh, good. But yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm totally about it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I I actually I, I like you. I've been I've been a bit of a luddite over my life, but I I am starting to embrace more now. And I purchased recently a VR flight simulator, and I oh, gotta wow. tell you. It has been so cool to to be you know to get into that and start to learn that. So I'm 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 definitely about that one too. All right, well let's ask you one more question. About it or doubt it? Electric cars. Oh man, I'm a, I'm totally about it. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay. My dream 
my dream car is that that Tesla. Okay, okay. I really want to get one at some point, and it, it may be my next car. I, I really about that technology. So yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I too like that's one of the things that you know. It, it, certainly with, with what's going on in the world right now and the, you know, the cost of gas and yes. and things like that, not to mention environmental issues. Right. Mm-hmm. I really think just like you said, you know, I, I was thinking the other day that I think my next car is going to be an electric car, too. You know, I think my next car will be an electric car, too. So that's great technology. And, you know, now too the manufacturers, you know, you're going to have to be in the electric car game to stay in the car business. So. I think the offerings and options are just going to get greater and greater and greater. So I, I think you're right. A, a lot of manufacturers, as you said, are going strictly electric. So, yeah, we may have very few options for gas, gas yeah. automobiles at some point. No doubt about it. No doubt about yeah. it. So that'll be cool to see. So you're about to embark upon a 20 city tour. So what's what's being on the road like for you? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, when I started out. It, nothing was more exciting than getting in a 15-passenger van, uh-huh. hopping on a flight, and you know, going to a, a city, um, uh, visiting countries overseas, and, and traveling and touring and playing music for people. I still enjoy playing music for people. Yeah, I still enjoy being on stage, and I still enjoy meeting people in different cultures and different cities and different countries. I don't care for the traveling anymore. <laughs> yeah, understand. <laughs> understand. Yeah, I, that's the part that I that I don't, you know, at my age now enjoy as much. Mm-hmm. But you know, the thing about this tour is a lot of it. I would say ninety percent of it, we're going to be on the ground. We're going to go okay. back old school. Yeah, I told my guys, cool. I was like, "Hey guys, how do y'all feel about?" Going old school. How do you feel about going 1995 on this tour? That's um, cool. Hopping in a van, hopping in a Sprinter, and getting out on the road and, and driving. And to a man, everyone was excited about it. They That's were like, great. Oh, let's do it. Because we have so much fun. You know, one thing about the guys in my band is we're all fr- all great friends. We grew up, Some of, two of the guys in my band are the guys who were in my very first band 30 wow. years ago. That's awesome. Sean Michael Ray, Kelly O'Neill. PJ has been in my band for almost 20 years now. Okay. And uh, Cameron, who's uh, the youngest guy in the band now, has been playing with me since he was a teenager. Okay. On and on. So okay. we have we have fun on the road, man. Yeah. We have fun in that van. And we stop along the way, you know, and we, we take our time. Uh-huh. And we just make it fun. It's, it's a whole lot more fun taking the time being on the road than it is being in an airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Carl. I'm a little bit of a control freak. Uh huh. <laughs> and and being in an airport, the the worst thing about air travel to me is, is the lack of control in mm-hmm. that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. freaks me out that I can't that at any moment, especially nowadays, your flight can be canceled. Your whole yep. life can be you know the gig can just be upended with a cancellation or a delay. In my when I'm on the road in my van, you know, with the guys, we have a, a lot more control and uh, we have a lot more fun because we're there and we laugh and we talk, we listen to music and and it's just a great experience. So I'm looking forward to that aspect of uh, traveling on this tour. Good, good. Where are some of the spots that uh, that you're going to be going to, and how can people find out about those dates? Sure, you. Know, I just. And I just last night posted um, all the dates on my website. Okay. And, um, 
Well, I should say the first leg of the tour is on is on the website. Now, we're still working on some other days. Uh, we'd like to get back out west and play at Yoshi's and, yeah. uh, and uh, on the West Coast. And um, Catalina Bar, uh, Jazz Bar and Grill, we like to go back there. Great. And uh, there's some places in a place in Denver that we like to um, to go to. And uh, but for this first leg of the tour, we're staying mostly East Coast and South okay. Southeast. So we're kind of working in a concentric circle, gotcha. starting you know right here in Alabama, and then we're going to be at Middle Sea Jazz in uh, Charlotte. Oh yeah. We're going to be up in Ashburn, um, uh, Virginia. We're going to be in uh, North Charleston, South Carolina. Yes, in Atlanta, we're doing um, St. James Live in Atlanta awesome. on uh, August the 4th, I think it is. And so, yeah, we're going to work south and then uh, southeast. Then we'll go to mid uh, Midwest and Texas. And then by uh, the fall, we'll be out on the West Coast. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what are you what do you like just before you are about to walk on that stage? What's going through your head and what are those feelings? Oh, man, we like I said, you know, we're we're all um, we're all great friends and and everybody's always in a great mood and we laugh and talk. So, you know, I, I try to carve out maybe about 15 minutes where I can just kind of center. Uh-huh. Uh, but up until that 15 minutes, it's just laughing and talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, the camaraderie. Um, and that comes out on stage, too. Yeah. The one, thing, the one thing that I love, the comment that I get from people the most that I love is, man, you guys look like you're having so much fun on stage. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because we are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, we still have fun playing this music. We love playing it. Um, but yeah, uh, up until that that point where I just you know have to get myself together, we we just clown around. And yeah, fun yeah, around. yeah. You know that that's such a great point. Like as a as a person who sits in the audience, you can tell when a band has you know genuine relationship with one another, right? You can tell. Like it's it's it shows up, and it does show up in. The music and the performance, you know, whether it's a, it's a, it's a laugh. It's it's a, it's when you when you see two band members look at one another and they have these smiles on your face that you know there's an inside story there somewhere, but you're not quite sure what it is, or whether it's that's how they support one another, or even just the comfort that you have. Like one of the things I pay close close attention to is like when I come to see Eric Essex, like I want to see Eric Essex being Eric Essex. I don't want to see Eric Essex pointing back and forth to somebody trying to say that who maybe didn't know the charts or something to try to bring them along and stuff like that. Like, I want to see, I want to get the best, right? Right, right. And that matters. And that you can tell when a band has that, you can tell it's so evident and it makes the show so much better. Man, that's wow. As a, as um, um, an audience member to hear that, is is confirmation for me because we say that all the time. Yeah, you know that we want people to to see that we're having a good time on stage, mm-hmm. and and there is a lot of inside kind of things going on during performances where um, maybe Sean, my bass player, and I have been playing together the longest. Mm-hmm. I've been playing with Sean since 1984, I think, and um, so we we've been playing together so long that sometimes we play the same things. Yeah, within a song, yeah. You know, play the same notes sometimes and then i'll look back at him and he'll look at me and we'll just shake our heads <laughs> <laughs> and just it, the look is saying man we've been playing together too long yeah. you know we, we're almost reading each other's minds and and kelly and i uh, my sax player 
same thing. You know, we play lines together sometimes and sometimes I'm, I freak out at how we, we blend so well together that it sounds like one instrument, Mm -hmm. you know, playing these melodies. And, um, so yeah, it's just a lot of fun playing with these guys. I turn down gigs a lot of times when I can't get these guys to be on stage with me. Yep. 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 Um, Because there, there's, that's another level of, um, the music is having those relationships. And when, when I can't have the guys that, that are able to do that on stage with me, yeah. Um, then, you know, a lot of times it's not worth it for me. I just, I'd rather stay at home. I, I don't blame you. And I just had a conversation with an artist who I do the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival in Milwaukee as well. And I had just had a conversation with an artist who called me the other day and say, Hey, is it okay if I, can we change this, this offer here? Cause I want to bring my guys. And yeah. right away I said, of course, because as a, like as a promoter, that's what I want. Like I, I, it's okay. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I know promoters who will use house bands and almost exclusively use house bands. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a considerable cost savings for them. Right. Absolutely. But from my perspective, what I want to deliver to my audience is I want to deliver a quality show. Right. And I know that if my headline artist has the musicians that he or she is most comfortable with who know how to zig and zag with them, who have relationship with them, who that will bring out the best in everybody and it'll be the best possible show. So I, I always like, I don't even look to do when I first started promoting house, I'm like, well, let me look at house bands. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I want these musicians to be able to be their best and have what, have the people that they want to play with on stage. And I respect that so much. Uh, And I know that you're, um, that you do a festival and that yeah. you um, um, uh, bring artists in. I used to do a, a festival called the Preserve Jazz Festival. Yes. And I did that for about seven years. And then I did the Eric Essex um, Jazz Escape for two years. Yeah. A smaller event. But, um, and, and that was my mindset as well, Carl. You know, artists perform and play a lot better and they're, they're more themselves when they have their crew yeah. there to support them, yeah. you know, musicians that they play with all the time. So I, I never did the house band thing. Yeah. I, I did it. I, I take that back. I did it once. I had Tracy Hamlin, Karen Briggs and Kim Scott, uh, had a ladies night uh-huh. only thing, uh, set during one of the, the, um, one of those festivals and they, sh- they all shared the same band. But other than that, you know, I always try to, um, have artists that bring in their own musicians and and it just made so much it made a big difference in the way the festival felt to me yeah, you know it felt yeah. like uh you know old school jazz festival band comes up yeah other band comes up you know you change the set out mm-hmm. and, and you could see that the musicians were comfortable and, and in their element and so i i totally respect respect you on that and i try to do the same with my events as well yeah that's fantastic that's fantastic well let's take a listen to one more of your songs eric this is uh your big hit the deep
that was deep by today's guest, Eric Essex. So, so Eric, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? <laughs> oh, that's, that's an easy one. Um, <laughs> when I was 13 and trying to be a musician, I, when I was 13, I'd been playing guitar for ten, about three years. I started when I was 10 years old. I would tell my 13-year-old self to um, get a, a really, really good guitar teacher who could teach you how to read music mm-hmm. and, and understand music thoroughly and then learn theory, all of the aspects and elements of music uh, at an early age. You know, as you're learning the instrument, you're learning these um, theoretical concepts about the instrument as mm-hmm. well, and about music and how to compose and how to write music and how to read music. Um, that was uh, um, a handicap for me when I got older and mm-hmm. decided that I wanted to go to, to Berkeley College of Music, but I had no formal music training at that time. Yeah. And I was in my 20s. Had I started earlier, you know, and learn how to really appreciate the, um, the theoretical aspects of music and yeah. how to read and write and compose, then I would have gone into that situation at Berkeley with a lot more confidence and mm-hmm. a lot more knowledge and understanding. And I could have gained a lot more from the experience sure. had, had I had that knowledge. Now, I did before I went to Berkeley. Had I, well, I had to go and learn as much as I possibly could in, mm-hmm. a, in a year, a year and a half. So I took music theory classes and got caught up. But it was still a really, really hard experience for me Yeah, being at one of the top music schools in the country and yeah. not being as prepared as I should have been. Yeah. I had to learn a lot of stuff on the fly. But had I started early, I yep. would have been just like a lot of those 18-year-old kids who I was in classes with who had been playing jazz in jazz band, mm-hmm. you know, through mm-hmm. elementary school and high school. Yeah, yeah. And had yeah. all that stuff down so that then they could focus on more intricate parts of the music um, and, and and get their voice um, with the knowledge and that of, of theory and other aspects of the music that I didn't have. So I, I came into a situation with at a disadvantage. And, uh-huh. and if I were younger, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, that's what I would say. That's cool. Learn that's the music, cool. man. Yeah. Learn the music. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So Eric, you're, Tell us what would be your three favorite albums of all time. Kind of Blue. Uh-huh. Um, Miles Davis. Yeah. Um, Love Supreme, John Coltrane. Uh-huh. And uh, George Benson Breeson. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I'm good. Those would, those would be all right. Those would be all right. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to be seeing. I've never had a chance to see George Benson live, and he's going to be in the Chicago area at in Hammond, Indiana, in early August, and I'm going to see him for the first time, and I am so excited about that. I saw George in 1977, and you won't be disappointed, by the way. Yeah, um, I saw him in 1977, shortly after Breezin had come out. Uh huh. At the Boutwell Auditorium in Birmingham. Okay. And from that point up until like 2015 or 16, I hadn't seen George perform uh, any more since. Okay. So, you know, there there had been several years before I got to see him again. I I don't know if you can see this post. Well, there's a poster behind me. Yes, I see (laughs) Um, the George Benson poster behind me. Yeah, I had the opportunity to to book George here at the Oscar Center. 
Okay. And, um, you know, I think he at that time had gotten back out on the road and, and was doing a lot of touring. And I said, man, let me jump on this yeah, and, and get George in here. And, um, you know, he was just as brilliant then as as he is now. And I've seen him a couple of times since then. I actually uh-huh. had an opportunity to open up for him in Atlanta. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I was playing with Joey Somerville, trumpet player Joey Somerville. Uh-huh. Joey was opening up for, for George. And um, I was just praying the whole time that George didn't show up in the wings, you know, <laughs> while we were doing our set. <laughs> <laughs> no extra pressure, huh? <laughs> I didn't need the extra pressure. <laughs> but I did get to meet him, you know, uh-huh. uh, during that time and, and talk to him. He was so gracious and, yeah. you know, so kind, giving uh, with his time. But, um, yeah, I didn't want George standing behind me while I'm trying to play this music. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, Eric, you're having a dinner party, and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu, man? Oh, man. Well, I'm vegan, so, um, you know, I don't know if these people are are vegan or not, so I don't know what the menu would look like. But uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. For sure. That's a good Um, choice. Yeah, I would definitely like to have um, Jimi Hendrix at the table. Yeah. Um, You know, my probably, if 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 I'm very honest with myself, Although it doesn't come out of my playing as much, I would say that he's probably one of my biggest influences yeah. on the guitar. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, because he made such an impact on me at a very influential age, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a teenager with the instrument, just picking the instrument up. So I'd love to have Jimmy. And um, I would love to have, I would love to have uh, like uh, Sarah Vaughn or oh, yeah. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, a woman from the the era of traditional jazz, yeah, you know, bebop, the bebop era, and and Sarah and uh, Ella. I know that's four people now, but that's all right. That's all right. It's I your would dinner love party. <laughs> to have, <laughs> I would love to sit down and just pick their their brains about what it was like as a woman to be, you know, uh, involved in the music at that time with yeah. all these giants, and you know what their thought process was, and how did they feel about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah those would be my 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 choices. I'd love to be a fly on the wall at that dinner party, man, because I think there's <laughs> going to be some rich, some awesome discussion there, and some great stories I can imagine too. So, yes, sir. so what's so what's on the what's on the vegan menu then, Eric? Oh man, you know I'm a big. Um, my wife is a is a great vegan cook. Okay, and so I've, I've been blessed in so many ways, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With her on my team. Um, so I'm a big fan of, um, you know, just just any any way that um, vegetables can be used to um, uh, in in their not necessarily raw state, uh-huh. but um, prepared in a way that's, you know, innovative and, and tasty. Yeah. And um, and so my wife is has become like uh, she does these salads, man. That are, like she could she had one last night. Uh-huh. Like, how can you do this with uh-huh. salad? You uh-huh. know? <laughs> That's awesome. And make it, yeah, and, and make it an experience. And she she's really gotten good at it. That's awesome. But, um, one of the things that she makes is um, is a, a vegetable lasagna. That's amazing. Uh-huh. So maybe we'd have that on the menu. That sounds and pretty egg, good. Eggplant, 
Eggplant lasagna. Ooh, I love eggplant. Yeah. That's one of my favorites, yeah. man. Yeah. That yeah. sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty yeah. good. <laughs> well, Eric, man, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chop it up with us a little bit today, man. We are looking forward to your new album coming out, and we want to wish you, man, you know, just continued success. And everybody, if you get a chance, get out and see Eric Essex on the road soon. Yeah, we'll we'll be out there. And Carl, I just want to say, man, this has been, you know, I do a lot of interviews, especially yeah. when these albums come out. You know, you you're always doing interviews yeah. with, with um, radio um, radio stations and whatnot. And I can say, man, this has been one of the most enjoyable interviews that I've done in a long time. So thank you. I, and I and what's crazy is when you sent me the links. Uh-huh. to uh, listen, you know, to some of your past shows. Yeah. I, mean, I just went down the rabbit hole. I started with the Nas G <laughs> one and the Julian Vaughn one because uh, I know Julian. He's, uh-huh. he's you know, a great, great artist. And I just yeah. started listening to him, man. And you just have a way with, with these musicians and artists um, that, you know, you can get information out of them. That wow. uh, it's interesting to me as an artist, and I'm sure to your to your. Well, I appreciate that, well. man. It, it's yeah, easy. Man. It's easy when there's a connection, and I certainly felt like I. After we started talking, I thought, like, well, we, Eric and I, I think we got a lot of things in common. So it's it's, it's, it's been a fun time. So thank, thank you, you again, man, and we wish you nothing but the but the best going forward, brother. Thank you so much, Carl. I appreciate it, man. All right, everybody, be sure to get your tickets for the 2022. Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 26th through 27th, featuring Najee, Bob James, Adam Hawley, Alex Bunyon, Gabriella Anders, Marcus Adams, PJ Spragans, Merlon Devine, and Vandell Andrew. Tickets are selling fast, so go to freshcoastjazz.com and get your tickets today. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.